0: Welcome to Zelhan's podcast, where we believe in the power of using the internet, software, and technology to achieve online business success. Go to zellhan.com and set up a consultation with our team. Tell us the problems holding your business back from increasing revenues, getting more clients, and being successful. Tell us your problems, and we will take care of everything else for you. Go to zellhan.com and get your consultation with our team. Today, you're listening to episode 15 of Online Business Systems, where we will continue looking at the topic, Why Businesses Fail, The Guide to Business Success. Part 2. As the title suggests, this will be part 2 of a two-part episode that started in episode 14. If you have not watched or listened to episode 14 as yet, then you may want to head over to podcast at or your YouTube channel to watch or listen to that episode to get maximum value for the discussion today. I'm pretty excited to be continuing this episode on why businesses fail and giving you actionable, helpful advice on how you can solve each problem that can lead to business failure. I've enjoyed these episodes and look forward to delivering more value to you in this episode like I did in episode 14. The format of this episode will be the same as in episode 14. We will continue with the article on Tony Robbins' website, 14 Reasons Why Businesses Fail. For each reason we look at, I will take some time to provide solutions and tips on how to avoid these issues or solve them if you or your business have these problems. With that said i just dive right into today's episode of Online Business Systems, Why Businesses Fail, The Guide to Business Success, Part 2. In episode 14, we looked at the first six reasons, and today we're going to look at the final eight. In the last episode, we looked at not having, this is number one, not having an effective business plan. Number two, not putting the customer first number three not hiring the right people number four doing it all yourself number five lack of flexibility and number six lack of innovation number seven here says not understanding your industry this is one of the driving factors behind why businesses fail to innovate certain industries require more innovation while others may have different product life cycles Consider the technology industry. The life cycle on an average product is about six months. And in some sectors, like the app business, it's just one month. People expect continual innovation and improvement. And if you don't deliver that to them, someone else will. It's a different world we live in today, where the only constant is change. And if you aren't staying ahead, you're falling behind. There's a lot to say about this point, it continues on explaining a bit more about fl- a lack of flexibility and a lack of innovation, which we would have discussed in the previous episode. We're not going to go into that again today, but it speaks a lot about innovation. And the reason I believe this is so is because if you understand your, industries, the, your industry, the history, the ins, the outs, and what works and what doesn't work and why, then it's very possible that you have a higher chance of bringing to the table innovation and flexibility that will lead to business success. And it's funny because if you don't understand your industry and you might break some unspoken rule or literally just do the worst thing you could ever do. And like we said, it's not going to be a valuable experience for you if you come here and we just discuss the problems because now you don't know exactly how to navigate this problem. So let's look at a solution. For this solution, I'm going to give you my personal take. And my personal take comes to me from experience and also from uh, the experience of others who have mastered their industry. Uh, The late Kobe Bryant, one of the best basketball players of all time, said that to be successful, you have to be an obsessive. He was on an interview with uh, Patrick Bed David. It's on YouTube. I think it's titled at this time, the last um, Kobe Bryant's last greatest interview. That may be it. So they were discussing um, greatness and how he got to be so good at basketball, being a retired legend, one of the best players ever. And that's not an exaggeration. And he says that you have to be an obsessive. You have to be obsessed with your craft and getting better at it. You must continue to learn the ins and outs, the tricks to the trade, and continue working on improving your weaknesses. He also says in the same interview that when he's hiring, he tends to hire obsessives, then give them the space to do their best work. There's no other way to understand, master, and dominate your industry than to be an obsessive. This isn't something you can outsource, delegate, or suspend. Spend time learning your industry, or the inevitable result of failure will follow. And that's what I said, because ideally when, you do, when you're performing in your industry as a leader, a voice of trust, confidence, that's where the money comes in. that's where you get the big contracts or you make the you take up a bigger market share or your revenues increase. It's not going to happen by you being an observer or a passerby, someone who does this part-time. And I believe this is one of the major reasons why businesses fail, because a lot of times someone will go into business because they think they can make money, not necessarily because they want to be the best at what they're about to do. And when that happens and money doesn't come quickly, because business takes time, as any entrepreneur can attest to, when that happens and money doesn't come quickly, then they give up too soon. Right, they are throwing the towel, they give up and they move on. And that in its that in and of itself isn't good enough. They haven't learned it takes about eight years to really get a, a grip on being one of the best in your industry. It takes that much time because not because not well, not only because there's so much to learn, but because there's also an emotional side to things where you adapt and start to lead in your own direction while not necessarily breaking away from the norm and the unspoken rules within your industry, rules that govern your success, rules that ensure that you don't rub shoulders with the wrong person, things like that. Speaking of failure brings us to our next point. Number two, well, this is point eight of 14 reasons why businesses fail. Fear of business failure. Business failure is one of the main, if not the biggest, fears of any business owner. If it weren't for that fear, we wouldn't even be asking, why do businesses fail? And hence be having two episodes on this podcast. So maybe there's some fear there. Let's discuss. Let's explore. Let's find out. However, as you develop your entrepreneurial and managerial skills, you will find that one of your greatest assets in running a successful business is overcoming your fear of business failure or any failure for that matter. Without minimizing the validity of your fears, you need to learn to view business failure as a learning opportunity rather than an insurmountable obstacle. Remember, life happens for you, not to you. And that's just like positive mindset right there. to say whatever happens you can be in control of it so fear of business failure is another reason why businesses fail and we can see why this happens it's, it is said that if you have a child for example and you keep telling that child that that child is not good enough and is going to be just like his deadbeat dad as some might put it then it's more likely that the child will become a deadbeat dad just because you keep saying it, it's like negative reinforcement eventually leading to such a place but then no we, we consider. Let's, let's really look at it. If there is a fear of business failure that we're experiencing and that could also be a reason why we fail, how do we deal with the fear of business failure? What is a, what is a healthy way to overcome the fear of business failure? To give us help with this question, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at an article on harvard business review it was written on december 10 2018 by susan peppercorn how to overcome your fear of failure it is also in the emotional intelligence section interesting no all right then so let's go how to overcome your fear of failure the article begins a client who i'll call alex asked me to help him prepare to interview for a ceo role with a startup very good. We're on, the right, we're on the right track so far. It was the first time he had interviewed for the sea level, and when we met, he was visibly agitated. I asked what was wrong, and he explained that he felt paralyzed by his fear of failing at the ice stakes meeting. This is right up my alley. Digging deeper, I discovered that Alexis' concern about the quality of his performance stemmed from a setback he had experienced and internalized while working at his previous company. As I listened to him describe the situation, it became clear that failure was related to his company and outside industry factors rather than to any misstep on his part. Despite that fact, Alex could not shake the perception that he himself had not succeeded, even though there was nothing he could have logically done to anticipate or change this outcome. So that's what the failure was related to, the company and outside industry factors. Nothing you could have done would have changed that outcome. People are quick to blame themselves for failure, and companies hedge against it even if they pay lip service to the noble concept of trial and error. What can you do if you, like Alex, want to face your fear of screwing up and push beyond it to success? Here are four steps you can take. We're going to dive right in. Step one, Redefine failure. Behind many fears is worry about doing something wrong, looking foolish, or not meeting expectations. In other words, fear of failure. By framing a situation you're dreading differently before you attempt it, you may be able to avoid some stress and anxiety. Let's go back to Alex as an example of how to execute this. As he thought about his interview, he realized that his initial bar for failing the task not being hired for the position, was perhaps too high given that he'd never been a CEO and had never previously tried for that top job. Even if his interview went flawlessly, other factors might influence the hiring committee's decision, such as predetermined preferences on the part of board members. In coaching Alex through this approach, I encourage him to redefine how he would view his performance in the interview. Was there a way he might interpret it differently from the get-go and be more open to signs of success, even if they were small? Could he, for example, redefine failure? Could he, for example, redefine failure as not being able to answer any of the questions posed or receiving specific negative feedback? Could he redefine success as being able to answer each question to the best of his ability and receiving no criticisms about how he interviewed? and even receiving criticisms about how we interviewed is something i wouldn't necessarily keep into consideration as a bar for success or failure because that is entirely because that is entirely subjective it's not something you can control either so i wouldn't even consider that i would be very very um direct with myself about what is in my power to control and then leave the rest to well, you can say fate or god or i don't know what you believe in but That's how I like to approach things. Do the best that I can and everything else that needs to happen will happen. So for better or for worse. As it turned out, Alex did advance to the second round and was complimented on his preparedness. Ultimately, he did not get the job. But because he had shifted his mindset and redefined what constituted failure and success, he was able to absorb the results of the experience more gracefully and with less angst than he had expected. So that's the first, the first step to deal with failure. Redefine failure. That's good. Second step, set approach goals, not avoidance goals. Goals can be classified as approach goals or avoidance goals based on whether you are motivated by wanting to achieve a positive outcome or avoid an, an adverse one. Psychologists have found that creating approach goals or positively reframing avoidance goals is beneficial for well-being. When you're dreading a tough task and expect it to be difficult and unpleasant, you may unconsciously set goals around what you don't want to happen rather than what you do want. Though nervous about the process, Alex's desire to become a CEO was an approach goal because it focused on what he wanted to achieve in his career rather than what he hoped to avoid. Although he didn't land his first CEO job he tried to get, he did not let that deter him from keeping at his objective and getting back out there. If Alex had instead become discouraged about the outcome of his first C level interview and decided to actively avoid the, pi- the pain of rejection, sorry, by never vying for the top spot again, he would have shifted from approach to avoidance mode. While developing an avoidance goal is a common response to a perceived failure, true. It's important to keep in mind the costs of doing so. Research has shown that employees who take on an avoidance focus become twice as mentally fatigued as their approach-focused colleagues. And I think it's because of how stressful it is to be negative on the brain. When you're positive, it gets endorphins flowing. You feel energetic. You feel light. You feel excited. Something that was difficult or time-consuming or strenuous, it becomes a little bit easier. They say... Make light the miles with jokes and smiles, something like that. I remember the saying, but there's a proverb that speaks about when you are doing a a long, when you're going on a long journey, if you're smiling and having a good time, it becomes shorter. There's definitely a proverb like that, but I'm not going to look it up. So you reframe or redefine your failure. You set approach goals, not avoidance goals. Approach goals are basically saying this is what I want to achieve. And avoidance goals are saying, I do not want this to happen. No, focus on what you want to happen approach goals. The third step is to create a fear list. Author and investor Tim Ferriss recommends fear setting, creating a checklist of what you're afraid to do and what you fear will happen if you do it. In his TED talk on this subject, he shares how doing this enabled him to tackle some of his hardest challenges resulting in some of his biggest successes. I asked Alex to make three lists. First, the worst case scenarios if he bombed the interview. Second, things he could do to prevent the failure. And third, in the event the flop occurred, what could he do to repair it? Next, I asked him to write down the benefits of the attempted effort and the cost of inaction. This exercise helped him realize that although he was anxious, walking away from the opportunity, would be more harmful to his career in the long run. So you create a fear list. And what I believe a fear list does for you, it gives you the writing exercise that makes a connection with your brain while you're writing, that reinforces the value of what you're doing, essentially. And you're just putting it into words. Well, if if it goes extremely terrible, this is the worst case scenario, then this is what will happen. And if things... Uh, actually goes this way, what can I do to repair it? And in such a way, what can I do to avoid things going this way? And it's not um, avoidance goal, avoidance setting. This is is pretty much just putting into words what you can and can't do to make a situation better or worse. It's like in business, whenever you're going to take out a loan or you're going to do a, a big investment in larger companies, you do what's called risk analysis, I believe, where you check the probability of the best case, worst case, and the base case. So the best case is, what if this actually works? The worst case is, what if this doesn't work? And the base case is, this is what is likely to happen. Now, the last step to overcome your fear of failure is focus on learning. The chips aren't always going to fall where you want them to. But if you understand that reality going in, you can be prepared to bring the most value out of the experience, no matter the outcome. To return to Alex, he was able to recognize through the coaching process that being hyper-focused on his previous company's flop and overestimating his role in it caused him to panic about the CEO interview. When he shifted gears to focus not on his potential for failure, but on what he would learn from competing at a higher level than he had before, he stopped sweating that first attempt and was able to see it as a stepping stone on a longer journey to the CEO seat. With that mindset, he quickly pivoted away from his disappointment at not getting to offer, getting the offer, to quickly planning for the next opportunity to interview for a similar role at another company. Remember, it's when you feel comfortable that you should be fearful because it's a sign that you're not stepping far enough out of your comfort zone. To take steps that will help you rise and thrive by rethinking your fears using the four steps above you can come to see apprehension as a teacher and guide to help you achieve your most important goals and yes that is uh susan peppercorn here's the thing though it's awfully reminiscent of of what kobe Bryant said in the same interview he said that one year In his first year, his rookie year, when he just joined the league, when he just came into the league, he had some issues making shots. His shots weren't going in. And when he looked at the tape, the shots were on target, but they were falling short. That simply means that his legs weren't old enough. You know, he wasn't used to playing at that high level that many games. So his legs were falling apart. Not literally, but, you know, physically he wasn't in his best condition and that caused him to be missing a lot of shots. So what he did was that he used that as a learning experience and over the summer, he worked on his condition and his fitness strength of his legs so that they could actually facilitate a 72, 82 game NBA season. And then from there, you know, the rest is history. It's similar in my own life. A lot of times I have to make tough decisions as a business owner, as a leader. And even the, the very act of starting a business drew a lot of uh, criticism, a lot of error. And it's not the safe route by any means necessary. And for a long while, a lot of people who chose the safe route were making a lot more money than I was making. But it is in those times I have to remember that this is a long-term game. And being a long-term game, I'm not expected to figure it out right away. If I were to figure it out right away, that would be scary. But if I haven't figured it out right away, awesome that means there's something else that i can learn and i love learning absolutely love learning keeping that in mind has caused me to come to a place where i'm very comfortable doing something new because i'm confident in my ability to learn and master and improve and achieve and just having that mindset we're going to discuss it a bit more in the future just having that in the not in the future but in this episode or in the future of this episode in a few minutes Yeah, but just having that mindset has caused me to overcome a lot of obstacles, remain committed even when things weren't going well, and ultimately improve me to the point where I can have this podcast with you guys right now. Very quickly, before we get started, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm your host today, Jabez Roberts, and I'm also the founder and CEO of Zellhan Systems Limited. I will be your guide for this episode of Online Business Systems. How would you like to increase your revenues by 10% to 30% over the next 12 months? While we increase your revenues, wouldn't it be awesome if we could increase your profits by 10% to 30% as well? Then, while we increase your revenues and profits, how about we take away all the stress, anxiety, and frustration of setting up and running a successful online version of your business? We'll keep it open 24-7, Manage and market your amazing new online business so that you never have to worry about getting your next lead, sale, or client again. Introducing the Zell and Online Business Suite, where we take your business online with a website that churns out more leads, more clients, and more sales for your business 24-7. Add it to your conversion-optimized online business is a 12-month online marketing strategy to help your business reach its goals, whether it is more leads, more profits, or even to expand in the next 12 months. Managing, marketing, and helping to scale your online business is your team of website development experts, experienced online marketing professionals, and accomplished online business development strategists working for you 24-7 So you have more time to do the things you love and spend with the people you care about. The Zeland Online Business Suite works for every business of every size and niche and was designed and engineered to help you and your business succeed. We're so confident we can help you that we're giving you a 30-minute online business success strategy session valued at $1,000 for free so that we can show you what your business needs to succeed online. During this session, you will meet with an online business strategist from our team to discuss the problems holding your business back from success, the fears you have around taking the next step forward, frustrations you feel with getting your next sale or client, and the goals you would like to achieve in the next 12 months. Your online business strategist will take everything from there in helping you set up a successful online version of your business that is fully managed marketed, and secured by our team working for you. Visit onlinebusiness.zellhan.com to learn more or go to zellhan.com and schedule your free 30-minute online business success strategy session and our team will take care of the rest for you. Our first 10 signups will get the chance to save 10% on the entire year of their subscriptions. That's a minimum of $6,000 saved for the year and more than one month free. Set up a free consultation at Zellhand.com to get started and claim one of 10 discounted spots. No obligation to buy. Just tell us where you're struggling and our team will show you what you need to change to be successful. That's like we're paying you $1,000 to sit down with us for 30 minutes so that we can help your business succeed and help you achieve your dream life. Visit onlinebusiness.zellhand.com. To learn more or go to zellhan.com with the link in the description or show notes and schedule your free 30-minute online business success strategy session and our team will take care of the rest for you. Conditions apply. Reason number nine of 14 reasons why businesses fail. The wrong mindset. And this one is going to be powerful. We actually started discussing the wrong mindset in The previous section. So let's just double down on that just a little bit. One of Tony Robbins' central philosophies, because we're reading this from Tony Robbins' website, is that our mindsets create our realities. What we believe influences what we are able to achieve. As entrepreneurs, when we embrace strategies for turning business failure into success, we transform our mindset from one of defeat into one of empowerment. And when we are empowered, a failing business is not the concluding chapter in our story. It is only the beginning. Don't let your limiting beliefs disempower you. Instead, stay hungry in your search for success. Your hunger will inspire you and pay off in the end. So that's, that's having the wrong mindset. You, you need to be empowered. You need to believe. <laughs> I'm about to start a motivational speech. Let me stay on track. I'm telling you guys, this is one of the most important reasons why businesses succeed as well, because the owner, the CEO, the founder, they believe in something like go ahead and go ahead and what? Well, watch or listen to Online Business Systems Episode 1. This is why we started, no, why we started and learn the reason why is so important, not not why is so important, but the actual word why. Why is important for anything that you do. And you'll understand that it's a mindset that is transferred. It's not actually the cause, you know, it's the actual mindset. And that works in purchases. Just a quick note. Whenever someone buys from you, they made a purchase because they believe in what you do. Right? They believe in what you do. But the purchase is only proof of that. It's the why you do what you do that they actually believe in. And they p- confirm that by making a purchase because what you do is only a physical, oftentimes, like a tangible, let's put that way, like a tangible example or display or representative of your why, which is more subtle, it's more psychological, it's a deeper meaning. It's why you connect with Apple versus Android, Windows versus Mac. And we can keep the list going. Here's what we're gonna learn. We're going to learn five ways to cultivate a growth mindset for self-improvement. And this is a very important article because, like I said, your mindset is going to be one of the most powerful, i uh, will say, assets and deterrents to your success. It's either going to make or break you. So let's get the right mindset. This is from Sharon Ross. It is posted on Lifehacks website. It's titled, Five Ways to Cultivate a Growth Mindset for Self-Improvement get started think about a self-improvement goal you have like becoming a better public speaker earn a promotion at work or losing weight be honest what's been stopping you from achieving or even making progress towards your goal do excuses like these sound familiar i am not i am a naturally shy person speaking in front of people makes me nervous i'm not a good writer so i'll never get promoted i have a slow metabolism and I'm not an athletic person. Losing weight is impossible. If so, then what may be holding you back is a fixed mindset. You've probably heard this term coined by Stanford University psychology professor Carol Dweck. She outlines the idea of growth mindset and fixed mindset in her book, Mindset, the New Psychology of Success. Essentially, it's the erroneous belief that your abilities are more or less finite And what happens to you, good and bad, is largely due to forces beyond your control, such as natural-born talent and luck. (laughs) It's going to be good. For example, the only reason my presentation went well was that Sally was feeling sick, so this time she didn't outshine me. Or, I can't do yoga. I have always been really inflexible. As Dweck argues, a fixed mindset is what stops many of us from trying to improve in certain areas where we think we've hit our ceiling. In truth, of course, we're all capable of reaching new heights, and this is so true. It's just a matter of shifting from a fixed mindset to what Dweck calls a growth mindset. I believe that we actually are in control of what we achieve. Yes, we all have inherent limitations. No matter how hard you try, you may never play tennis like Serena Williams, but there's a giant territory between being better than you are now and being the best in the world. If you have a growth mindset, you think, if I stretch 10 minutes every day, I will become more flexible. Or if I take class and practice every day, I will become a better writer. You'll take on self-improvement projects and you'll persevere through challenges because deep down, you know you can succeed. If you think you've been holding yourself back with a fixed mindset, how do you go about shifting to a growth mindset? Here are five ways like i said we had started this in the previous uh section because i spoke about my belief that i can do anything that i want to do i can achieve anything so we're going to double down on this a lot in the second part of this well in the second part of this series since it's been two episodes so far the first way to shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset get expert help can't even run around the block Find a running coach experienced with beginners and have her and have her create a trading plan for you that includes running with other novices. You'll be amazed at how far you're running in just a couple of weeks. Hopeless in the kitchen? Take a cooking class and learn to make two new dishes. With expert guidance, accountability, and social support, you'll soon have the confidence to step out of your comfort zone. Once you get a taste of accomplishment, you'll be ready for the next challenge. So get expert help. Get expert help, get guidance. And I love this because a lot of times you try to do it yourself and that's why why you're failing because how can you teach yourself something you've never learned? You can, but it takes infinitely more time. It is far better for you to get the help of someone who has mastered what is being done or what you want to learn or what you want to do. And then from there, you'll find that you get the guidance that you need. Moving on, L- number two, look around you. If you're not able to recognize your own ability to improve, look to family members or friends for evidence that effort and perseverance pays off. And you're, this is where it's going to be important. Maybe a friend set out to learn Spanish and became fluent. Well, that means, I'm going to finish it before I make a point. If you instinctively think she she's obviously good with languages, reframe your thinking are you really going to take that accomplishment away from your friend? More likely. She studied hard and practiced often. And here's the thing, like I was trying to say, it also depends on the mindset of the people around you. So if the people around you have a growth mindset where they're focused on a goal and nothing's going to stop them from achieving that goal, they have achieved goals and they're working towards something greater, it is more likely that you're going to grow that way. And if you're in an environment where mediocrity is the order of the day and you complain that it's the government that's screwing you over while you're not successful or you're not rich and it's a system or or whatever the case may be, then you're going to find that success is going to come a little bit harder, if ever, because your mindset is one that it's pretty much like sending a stinking saver that pushes away your success. You're telling yourself you're not going to learn no matter what you do. You'll never learn you're telling yourself that you can't be rich you can't afford it you can't do this well you're never going to do it but 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 and we're going to speak about this a little bit more if you say to yourself or ask yourself a question how do i what can i do what would be where who how when if you ask yourself these questions in a way that says how do i achieve my goal what do i do to get better Where can I learn how to do this? Who can help me? Then you're going to get better. Number three, praise for effort, not skill. When you get in the habit of recognizing effort in others, you start to change where you think about your own abilities. Instead of telling a friend, you're such a good cook, say, I love how you're always collecting recipes and trying such interesting dishes. Rather than telling your child, you're so smart when there is a math test, say, you studied hard for that, and you deserved a good grade. Acknowledging effort over talent is a subtle but important change to make when we're going to adopt a growth mindset. You live and learn. I, I did not know this, and now that I know it, I'm going to put it into practice more. I, I've been doing it, I noticed, though, where I tell people that they, they did a good job. Like people I work with and so on, oh, you did a good job, I appreciate your effort on this, that was uh, good thinking. So I'll keep that up and I'll improve on it. I'll double down on what they did, not necessarily the outcome that they achieved and highlight that the outcome they achieved was as a result of their effort and they deserved it. All right, that sounds good. I've learned something new here as well. Compete with yourself. Yes, caring how we rank is human nature, but caring too much is counterproductive and fuels a fixed mindset. We all have our strengths. What's important is not how you compare to others, but how you compare to where you were yesterday, last week, or last year. Are you moving forward and making progress in the areas that you care about? If so, that's all that matters. In his book, 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson, I believe rule six says, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today Let, let's let's go again compare yourself to who you were yesterday not how someone else not who someone else is today and listening is very simple everyone has their own circumstances, advantages disadvantages and all it is unfair to you for you to look at someone let's say for example you're 28. And you say, all right, I'm a 28-year-old female. I'm not yet married. I don't have a serious relationship going on. And my career isn't all that spectacular. If you look at it from that perspective, there is nothing to celebrate. And if you even look at it from the perspective of all, because it's going to continue. We're going to say, all my friends are getting married. They're having children and they're advancing their careers. It's going to get even worse. But what if you say to yourself, I'm 28 years old, and so far I've been steadily, slowly, steadily, and consistently changing my life for the better. I am getting more hours at my job. I am working on my emotional issues, my trust issues, so that I can have a healthy and lasting relationship. And I am also learning how to be a better friend. And hopefully that can help me to be a good parent in the future, because I've had a rough, a rough life growing up which has affected me, but I'm working on those things. It's the same reality, same reality, still no relationship, relationship, still not a very impressive job, still no children, but you know what? It's far better to look at it from that perspective because it takes into context where you're starting from and where you are. You're on the upward trajectory in this one. In the previous way, you're like, oh, I don't know. You you pretty much have it. Um. You pretty much don't have a chance in the last one because you're just saying how terrible you are, not giving yourself an opportunity to improve. So compete with yourself and do not look at who someone else is because you don't know what they've been through. You don't know the advantages they have over you to have gone to where they were. Not taking anything from them, but we all have our different circumstances. Point five, learn from failure. When you have a fixed mindset, the voice in your head says, I didn't make the sale because I'm terrible at closing. This happens to me sometimes. Challenge this mindset. Could it be that you didn't prepare enough to answer all the client's questions? What could you have done differently to change the outcome? If you think about it hard enough, you'll probably come up with lessons to apply to your next sales opportunity. This is very similar to what I said earlier. Now, I said that I sometimes have this happen to me. It happens all the time because what will happen is that let's say I go to a meeting I didn't close the sale. I am going to hyper-analyze that situation. I'm going to say, why didn't I close the sale? And a lot of times I'll realize the reason because when you're in the meeting trying to close the sale versus outside analyzing what's happened, it's very different. But what I tend to do, I don't like to dwell on the failure. I like to obsess about the failure, but not dwell on it. What does that mean? It means that if I fail, I'm going to get obsessive about why I failed. But once I've learned why, I'm done. I'm going to learn how to succeed the next time. And and in that way, I'm constantly improving. You can do the same. So that's it for point nine, the wrong mindset. Point 10, lack of vision. Marketing guru Jay Abram understands the question of why businesses fail. It's a high velocity and high leverage mindset that prepare business owners to navigate the ever-changing seas of business. Rather than adapt your dreams to the economy, you must set and achieve your own goals independent of circumstances. How can you accomplish this? By recognizing that business success hinges on loyalty to a vision. So, what I've done for this section is that we're gonna look a bit on how to set set goals and achieve them. We looked at this a little bit in one of our episodes where we looked at smart goals, uh, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic time bound No, R is not for realistic because A is attainable. R is for relevant. So specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound smart goals. We can speak about that a little bit later because we've already done the episode on that. But in this article, We're going to learn from BetterUp, 10 things or 10 tips to set goals and achieve them. This article was written by Erin Etow, PhD, on May 13, 2022. And it's a a very good article that's going to help us to set goals and achieve them. She has a PhD, so let's just dive right in. The word goals is thrown around a lot these days, so much that it can be confusing what a goal really is. Are resolutions and objectives the same as goals? Why do we need to set goals? Research by a psychologist and career coach at Dominican University of California shows that there is a direct correlation between setting goals and achieving success. Properly defined goals help trigger new behaviors and help you focus on what's important to you. Of course, it's not just about setting goals. It's also about achieving them. Let's take a look at the top strategies for how to set goals and achieve them in both your personal and professional life. Goals. What are they and what aren't they? Before setting goals, you need to know what a goal is. A goal is something you want to achieve. It's the desired result that you or a group of people plan and commit to achieving. Goals are often long-term. They relate to people's life and career plans or the long-term goals of a company or organization. Put simply, a goal is a dream with a deadline. Still a bit confused? Here are some characteristics of what goals are and what they aren't. A goal is your vision of the future. Goals should be the result of careful consideration of a personal vision statement and things you want to achieve. Time-sensitive. A goal is time-sensitive. The most effective goals are time-bound. Goals generally have a longer time frame. They can be broken down into smaller, short-term objectives. And goal, a goal is large in nature. Don't be afraid to set a goal that seems like a reach. Feel free to think outside the box and dream big. You can set smaller short-term goals to help you get there. So goals are a vision of the future. They're time sensitive and they're large in nature. A goal is not an objective. While goals describe what you want to achieve, objectives are the steps taken to reach the goal. For example, I want to become a confident public speaker is a goal. I will work with a coach to practice my public speaking skills by the end of this month is the objective. A goal is not a resolution. Resolutions are often temporary, giving short-term gratification opposed to delayed gratification. While a resolution is a decision to do or not do something, a goal is what you want to achieve. And a goal is not a mission. Mission statements create a clear and focused direction to follow. It's a statement of purpose from which a company, business, or individual operates. On the other hand, a goal is a specific aim you or your team works toward. So we know what goals are and we know what goals are not. uh, Why should you set goals for yourself and your team? Here are some of the many reasons why setting goals for yourself and your team is important. It gives a sense of direction. Taking the time to think about what you want in life gives you a sense of purpose. That is so true. For example, you could create a five-year plan based on what you want your life to look like in five years. Having this long-term plan can help you move from just dreaming into actually doing. That's very good. And I like five years. It's not too far, but it's also within reach. And there's so much you can do in five years. I work in three-month periods, guys. So I settle down on a goal for three months. Then I look up and I go again. But these goals are, uh, are all in line with what I want to achieve in the next 10 years. So everyone has their own way of doing this. In the workplace, setting goals helps to clear a path of where you want your team to go. It also helps to set expectations of different team members. It helps to see the bigger picture. Setting goals help us to take a step back and get some perspective on what's really important in life. It's the first step toward creating a life full of meaning, yes, because you live with hope, and hope comes from having something you're working towards, which is a goal. If you want to destroy someone, remove their hope. It's absolutely terrible. At work, setting goals as a team helps everyone get the whole picture. Knowing the long-term goal and what a company is striving toward can help each team member perform better in their role. It provides motivation. By nature, consciously setting goals gives you something to aspire to, which, like I said, is similar to hope. Having a specific goal will motivate you and your team to put your best foot forward. As a team member, having a clear vision of what your team is aiming to achieve provides inspiration and motivation. Working with your team to move toward a common goal is motivating and satisfying, giving your team purpose. It gives you greater control of your future. Setting goals puts you in a driver's seat of your life. Just by writing down goals, you're actively acknowledging what you want out of life. It's the first step toward taking control of your future. Yes, because now you know what you can do and you're setting out to achieve it. First is just allowing things to happen. And because you're doing something that means something to you, it's important to you, you motivate it and you have a better outlook on life. So how to set realistic goals at work and in life. And like we said, this is a section that's going to help us to learn how to achieve goals. So we know what goals are. We know why we need to set them. Now we're going to learn the how. Now that you know how beneficial goals are, it's time to dive into how to set goals and achieve them. Whether you're setting up goals for your team or personal goals, it's important to start with goals that are realistic. Here are tips for setting both personal and team goals. Personal Goal Setting Tips Consider your passions. Part of the process for how to set life goals should be deciding what inspires you and what your values are. You should be passionate about your goals if you want to achieve them in the long run. Your goals should be meaningful to you and provide you with a sense of pride once you meet them. Exactly, that is why it works because you're doing something you love, you're pursuing something important to you. Set goals you can control. If your goal is based on something outside of your control, you won't be able to control whether or not you actually achieve it. And I find this so true because in this stage, you're, you're pretty much at the whims of our mercy of whoever it is, whoever or whatever it is that is in control or has the most influence on the outcome of achieving that goal. So your personal goal shouldn't be dependent on other people. They also shouldn't be reliant on external factors that you have no control over. Be realistic about what you can and can't be directly responsible for. Imagine your future. Take some time to really think about what you would like your life to look like. What does your ideal future entail? And I have do this so often. For example, if you're setting personal career goals, ask yourself some questions that will help you in the right direction. How much money do you ideally want to earn? Do you want to work for yourself? How many hours do you want to commit to on a daily basis? Even if these questions don't immediately help you pick a single job, they will certainly make you realize what you want and don't want your career goals to be. And like I said, so you can also see that um, setting goals can help to bring clarity. Tips for setting goals at work. Brainstorm. Before you write down the first goal that, that comes to mind, take time to brainstorm as a team. Asking big questions like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? We get the creative juices flowing. Also include everyone. It's important that everyone is heard during the goal setting process. Each member of your team should feel they can speak openly and contribute their ideas for goals. Having everyone's input will help create goals that everyone is invested in. Write down each team member's ideas, no matter how silly, so that they feel heard. Together, you can go through each goal to decide if it works for the whole team. So this is not about you anymore, this is about everyone. And so you consider everything and you made the group, uh, you make the best decision for the collective group by considering what everyone has to offer, even if you don't think it's of high value. Otherwise you don't want to be on a team, right? Ask why, and I love this point. It's important to discuss the purpose of your group goal so that everyone is on the same page. During your goal-setting session, create a relaxed atmosphere that encourages questions from everyone if there is any uncertainty. What are we doing? Where do we want to be? What does success look like? Every team member should have a shared vision for why you have set this common goal. It will give your team clarity on what you want to achieve and make it easier for everyone to work together. And now we get to 10 tips to achieve your goals. Just going to dive right in. Have smart goals. You're not going to achieve your goals if they aren't smart. If you haven't heard of smart goals already, go and listen to Zelhan's podcast on smart goals. I'm not gonna go over it again. It's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. So smart goals. And we have given examples of smart goals as well, and so we're not going to do that again. The next point is that you should write them down. Don't just daydream about your goals. Put pen to paper and write them down. The Bible says you should write the vision, make plain the vision. Is that it? Let me look it up. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3. Well, the Bible says in Habakkuk 2, and the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that ye may run that read at it. Now, this is a that was about the Bible. But here's the interesting thing. I talk a lot about Brian Tracy. I'm a fan of his. I love that guy. He's so awesome. What Brian Tracy says is that whenever you write a goal, the research was done. And whenever you write down the goal, you're 80% more likely to achieve the goal. Just by writing it down. You see, whenever you write it, you're activating your brain in such a way that it's getting an active, it's getting actively involved. In the process of describing the goal and now it starts to find ways to achieve it and that is why it's more it's more likely that you'll achieve the goal having written it down it takes more precedence like if you were to read something and hear something just by writing what you heard will reinforce it and keep it in long-term memory this is how the brain works so write it down and it makes your goals more tangible and makes them seem more real so everything that you ever want write it with a pen and paper don't type write it as studied by Dr. Gail Matthews of Dominican University of Columbia, shows the effectiveness of writing down goals. According to his research, people who write their goals have a better chance of accomplishing more than those who don't write their goals. Step 3. Make Your Goals Visible. To keep your eyes on the prize, put your written goals somewhere you'll see them. It should be a place you visit regularly so that you're constantly reminded of where you want to be. If it's your personal goals, put them on your bathroom mirror or fridge as a nudge every morning of what you want to achieve. For teams, your group goals should be somewhere all your team members can see them. This could be a bulletin board or incorporated online into your group management software. So here's the thing, though. I love cars. Absolutely love cars. Love them, love them. And every day on my laptop, a new car is shown to me at random, a car I'd like to have. Ferrari, Ford Mustang, Ranger Raptor, Ford Raptor, Ram TRX, McLaren. I'm I'm pretty sure, I don't think, maybe a Porsche is there. I don't know. Uh, Bugatti, Konisegi. And how I've said this is that I've written down and said, all right, I have to achieve this to earn this. So whenever I go to work, I'm not just going to work to make money. I'm going to work to achieve a goal. And that keeps me going because after you make a certain amount of money, money doesn't motivate you as much anymore. So let's move on. Number four, break it down. Because goals are often long-term and abstract by nature, make them more digestible by breaking them down. Use a goal ladder by writing your main goal at the top rung of the ladder. Work your way through the rest of the ladder steps, writing down smaller goals you need to achieve in order to achieve your main goal. I do this in... Some examples at times, like at times I do say, all right, I want to achieve, I want to get $100 this month. So each day I need to get $3, $3. $3.50 would be good. Or every week I need to get $30 or whatever the case may be. And sometimes I set the smaller goals beyond what is required to give myself some wiggle room or leeway to achieve the overall goal. If some of the small goals fall short, develop a plan. Now that you know what you're working toward, it's time to figure out how you're going to get there. Write down the individual steps you need to take to achieve goals. Creating an action plan will keep you on track. As you work your way through each step of your plan, cross it off so you can see how much further you have to go and feel optimistic about your progress. Says enough. Take action. Goals aren't going to achieve themselves. Once you've got a clear path of how you want to achieve your goals, it's time to get productive. Put your plan into action. Even the smallest act makes you one step closer to your goal. And here's a motivation tip. Just just get started by doing the smallest increment. So if your goal is to lose weight, then ensure that you always get dressed for the gym at 7 a.m. If you're going to the gym, even if you don't want to go, just say, all right, let me just get dressed and see how I feel. And just by getting dressed, I'm like, well, I'm dressed, might as well Uh, pack some lunch. Well, might as well walk out the door and see if I feel like going. Ah, it's kind of cool. Let me jog and warm up. All right, now I need a treadmill. Now I need to get to the gym. Now I need to lift. Take it in small steps. Seven, keep perspective. It can be easy to become obsessed with achieving your goals. You might reach a point where you feel you would do anything you have to in order to get closer to achieving your goals. But this can lead to burnout and even abandonment of your goal. Avoid burnout by living a balanced life. Take breaks from your plan and look at the bigger picture. Practice kindness towards yourself and give yourself time. Now, is this really just saying that you can't be pursuing your goal 24 7? It should be a part of what you do in your daily life because you do need time to refresh and take a break and relax and rejuvenate and come again, basically. So keep it in perspective. Identify potential obstacles. Be realistic in that you're going to face challenges along the way. Recognize what these problems might be and make a note of them. Being aware of your potential obstacles will make them less intimidating if you are faced with them along your your journey towards success. We spoke about this already. Be accountable. Trying to accomplish a goal entirely by yourself can be lonely and overwhelming. Accountability helps you make consistent, steady progress and keeps you striving toward your goal. Keep your accountability. Keep yourself accountable by sharing your goals with a friend. If it's a group goal, have your team share their goals with another team. For me, it doesn't really work like that. Like once I want something, I want it, regardless of what anybody says. And it's because most times I've had to want things against the norm or against what's accepted. So, But if it works, if that's not you, if you're not an accountable person, then by all means get an accountability partner. And reflect and adjust. This is the last one, 10. Maybe you haven't achieved your goals in the time frame you wanted to, Maybe your goals were a bit too unrealistic, and that's okay, as mine tend to be. Rather than feeling defeated, take the time to review your goals and see what you can change. You might need to adjust your goals, or maybe just tweak your plan to achieve them. And then the next point, point 11 of 14, is lack of passion. A passion-driven mindset lets you persist in owning your ethics and beliefs while learning from all the reasons why businesses fail. By adhering to your passions, you're able to see your circumstances clearly, the positives and negatives. With this level of focus, you can create an unstoppable drive to accomplish your goals. This focus allows you to take risks, acknowledging that feelings of doom and failure arise not from circumstances, but from feeling stuck in the status quo. Don't get stuck. Persist. And I made some notes, just some simple notes on passion because you would have realized that just by setting goals you'll be more optimistic just by having vision well just by setting goals and having a vision you'll be you'll have more passion and we also spoke about the mindset so just doubling down my solution is that you should be honest about your desire for love financial freedom success health a family a nice car a yacht an expensive trip, whatever it is that you want. Be, be honest that that is what you want. As long as it is within the reason, it is within our ethical bounds. <laughs> let's, let's get that out there. And once you're honest about your desire to get whatever it is that you want, accept that only you can prevent yourself from achieving your goals and getting what you want. You are your greatest enemy or obstacle to success or to your success, but you're also your greatest ally. It depends on which way you choose. Choose to be your ally. Motivate yourself, encourage yourself, reward yourself for small micro goals, achieve, etc. Remove the fear of failure by approaching a goal as a student. Ask yourself, how can I afford this, achieve this, do this? Then your brain goes to work trying to give you ways to achieve. And then point four, learn from your failures. Point five, pursue it all you have and do not accept defeat. These will empower you and give you newfound freedom and passion. You see, knowing you can achieve anything you want will give you the passion needed to pursue. Chase the struggle or challenge, not the result. The the result follows after. It's like you're going, your aim is to lose 30 pounds. Chase the goal of Working out for 35 minutes each day, um, five days per week, and eating healthy for dinner and breakfast. Chase that goal. Chase the grind. Chase the struggle. Chase what you have to do that will lead to the goal. Because if you chase the goal, then eventually, just by trying to do something difficult for delayed gratification, that will be a reason why most people fail. At Zellhan, we believe in the power of the internet, software, and technology to make it easier to start and run a successful business online. We know that it takes more than running Facebook or Google ads for two or three months to attract the right clients or customers for your business. We also know that as a business owner, you don't want to be bogged down with learning the latest online marketing trends. The best way to set up a Facebook ad or deciding what to do before or after your newest Google ad campaign goes live for it to be successful. We want to make it easier for you to attract more clients and customers, increase revenues, build a brand that your ideal client knows, loves, and trusts, and ultimately live your dream life. This is why we have removed the guesswork out of marketing your business online by designing and engineering a 12-month marketing strategy tailored for your online business's success. Introducing Zellhand's online marketing system. Over the next 12 months, our online marketing and business development strategy teams will work together with you to help your business succeed. We do this by settling on smart goals to achieve over the next 12 months for your business. A smart goal can be as simple as increasing revenues by 15% in the next 12 months, getting 20 new clients in the next year, or even growing top-line revenue to $500,000 in 12 months. After we set and agree on the smart goals to achieve, our team will design and engineer a unique and helpful marketing system that will give you the highest chance of success and achieving your goals. Every month, we will have a consultation with you to let you know our progress on helping you achieve your goals. We will help you understand what we worked on last month and the results, what worked, what didn't work, what our conclusions are, and how best to move forward strategically in the next month. By doing this, we ensure that our goals are always aligned with yours and that of your business. Your business is getting the results it needs, and you know that your and marketing team is working 24-7, doing meaningful work to support your business's success. After 12 months, we will have our final consultation, where we say, Our goal set in January 2023 was to increase revenues by 15%. It is now January 2024, and we have successfully increased your revenues, not by 15%, but by 25%. Our approach removes the guesswork out of getting your next sale or client and makes your online business success inevitable as a result of a marketing strategy tailored for your business's success. Prices start at $3,000 per month. That is as low as $100 per day for your own professional and experienced marketing and business strategy teams working 24-7 to ensure your business succeeds. But for a limited time, our first 10 sign-ups will get a chance to save 10% on the entire year of their subscription. That's more than $3,500 in savings for the year or more than one month free. Set up a free consultation at Zellhand.com and click Get Free Consultation to get started and claim one of 10 discounted spots. The link will be posted in the description of the video if you are watching on YouTube and the show notes if you are listening to our podcast. Go to zellhand.com and click Get Free Consultation to set up a free consultation with our team to get started and our team will handle the rest for you. Set up your free consultation today and be one of our first 10 signups who will get a chance to save 10% on the entire year of their subscription. That's more than $3,500 in savings and more than one month free. Conditions apply. Number 12 of 14 on why businesses fail ineffective marketing strategies. Whether your company is large or small, marketing is the next critical step. Why do businesses fail in their operations? If you cannot find a way to market your product or service, then your business will have a hard time getting off the ground. Because the truth is, you could have the most innovative product or service, but the best product doesn't always win. It is the best marketed product that wins, actually. Do you think McDonald's has the best burger? Probably not, but their marketing strategies are top notch. And I always make that example, not with McDonald's, but with Burger King. I always say, or KFC. A lot of people can make better chicken than KFC but only one KFC exists. How do you solve the the problem of an ineffective marketing strategy? Well, the first step is that you're here, right? So you're listening to the Zellhan podcast and that is a very, very good step in the right direction. So continue to listen to our podcast. You can also read our blog and watch our YouTube channel and learn from Zellhan. You can also hire us and have us do the heavy lifting for you. So you can hire us and we do the work for you or you can just learn and get the word on yourself, or you can do both. You do that and you don't worry about the marketing strategy. And the fact that you're here means that we have this covered. Let's move on. Number 13 of 14 reasons why businesses fail. Not understanding your X factor. To market effectively and prevent business failure, you have to understand what your X factor is. What are you here to deliver and how can you improve your customers' lives? Take, for example, FedEx founder Fred Smith. Even in FedEx's early stages when profits were slim, Smith invested in three market studies for testing the value expedited shipping would add to his product. Smith's research paid off. He discovered his X Factor, and FedEx is now a household name in large part due to his corner in the market via expedited shipping. So here's the thing. This is very similar to understanding your industry. Now, remember what we said. You have to learn. You have to learn the ins and outs of your industry. You have to learn what works, what doesn't work, where it is, where it is not, where it's coming from, the history, the unspoken rules and laws and norms. And from there you can improve. When you have an understanding of your industry, you're also going to know the major players and you're going to know what they're doing right and wrong. You're going to know what the customers want. That's where you're going to find your X factor. As a matter of fact. In his book, Peter Thiel, uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, he speaks about the things that you need to have before you consider starting a business. One of the things you need to have is a competitive advantage. Seth Godin, in his book, uh, This is Marketing. No, it's not This is, this is Marketing, but it's actually a Purple Call. Seth Godin, in his book, Purple Call, speaks about the Purple Call. The Purple Call is essentially the cow that you see walking down the street that is purple. It is different. It catches your attention, it grabs your attention, and you write home about it. When you have a purple call of a business, something that stands out and is unique in some way, that is when you have a business. If you have a brown call, something run-of-the-mill, another me-too business, a so-and-so business, nothing special, nothing unique, it's not a business. It's a a business, but it's not going to be as good or as successful as a purple call. And that's the same thing Peter Thiel speaks about because one of the things he says you should look for in businesses that are successful, because he's an investor and he's been a part of successful teams that we discussed in the previous episode, is that not having a competitive advantage in terms of proprietary technology is a huge, huge problem. So, one of the reasons why he believes Tesla will do well is because they have one of the best solar platforms for, well, one of the best electrical vehicle platforms or EV platforms out there, that I believe three other companies, I believe Ford, Toyota, and Hyundai or someone like that. I don't remember the companies, but he even says that other companies are using that platform to develop their own EV because Elon has made it free. And he says it's the same reason why solar energy failed, the solar boom energy failed, because they were trying to, well, that's a story for a different day. So what you want to do is you want to understand your industry, understand yourself, understand your strengths and weaknesses, and find your competitive advantage. Your competitive advantage can even be something that seems like a disadvantage. So, for example, you might say you don't have the budget, but just by not having a budget means you'll get more creative and genius with your marketing. And that's what happened to me, by the way. Here are five quick tips to find your competitive advantage according to Outbound Engine. We're running on time on this episode, and there are only three points left, or two, so it wouldn't make sense to do an entire episode around two points. So I'm going to condense this a bit, but the articles are still going to be linked so you can get the full value if you want. How to find your competitive advantage? Research current industry rates for what you offer. You might find that you're already very competitive when you compare your prices to what else is out there. If that's the case, make sure you emphasize it in your marketing content, so you're competing on price. Consider what sets your brand apart. Take, for example, real estate agent Cindy Alvarez. Cindy calls herself the paid-forward realtor. She knows how difficult it can be for buyers to take on the many costs associated with purchasing a home. Therefore, she provides a discount to folks like teachers, military personnel, government employees, first responders, and seniors. This discount can be the difference between a buyer finding a permanent home and worrying about whether it will ever happen, to happen for their family. That's a consider what sets your brand apart. And do things in a new or different way. Flex your creative muscles and figure out better ways of doing what you do. Like I said, even if, it, even if it's a disadvantage, it can be made into an advantage. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every day. But if inspiration does strike, be sure to use it as a competitive advantage. And you can't do this without understanding your industry either. Work smarter, not harder. Sometimes all you need to do to stand out is to be more organized, punctual, and efficient than your competitors. People appreciate seamless experiences. So give them what they want by streaming your work routine or delegating tasks like marketing. Very good. Now try new tools. Technology just keeps getting better and better. Research the latest apps, software, and tools for your industry. Your customers will be impressed by your up-to-date industry knowledge, and you may find yourself able to delegate time-consuming work. And those are five tips on how to find your competitive advantage. Number 14 of 14 reasons why businesses fail. Asking the wrong questions. Guys, if you hear it, my voice is going... It is 5.44 a.m. I've been at this since 3 a.m. My voice is on the brink of collapse. I'm going to push forward. I keep, I said this like four times now, but my voice kept fading at the end. But we go on. So I'm going to be very short on this last one. And then I'll make, Um, I'm just going to do the next episode on how to ask good questions. Because it's, it can be very deep. So I'm going to be short here because my voice is going. Like, trust me. <laughs> uh, my voice is going. So in episode 16, we're going to learn how to ask better questions to enable you, to ensure your success and your growth. Because remember, you know what we've learned here, and I'm rambling given my voice, but it's important. What we've learned is that you set your goals, it gives you passion, you're curious about your industry, you learn and master your industry. you fix your mindset. Now you're always going to have to adapt a growth mindset, a growth mentality. And that comes from finding out how to get better. Now, if you can ask the right questions, you can get the right information to master industry and also to achieve your goals and also to improve. So, we're going to do an episode on asking the right questions, the wrong questions, and how to ask the right ones. Just because right now I'm just physically not able to continue the episode. To help you, so this is the article to help you discover what your true value is as a business go one step further and ask yourself the right questions. This includes core questions like, what does the marketplace need? Who is my customer? What can I do to make my company talkably different? And perhaps one of the most important questions you can ask yourself, what business am I really in? Let's look at an example of a wildly successful company that needed to ask itself that very question, and that's Apple. So in the next episode, in episode 16, We're going to look at this article on Apple, and then we're going to look at asking the right questions. So it's going to be a bit of a two-part episode, and it's probably going to be the, no, it's going to be an independent episode. So maybe what I do is we look at business success stories. All right, let's do that. Let's do that. So in episode 16, we're going to look at asking the wrong questions and how to ask better questions for your success. That's what we're going to do. And then in episode 17, we're going to learn about businesses that came back from the brink of disaster to being a success. I'm pretty sure we're going to have to look at Apple. So for now, asking the wrong questions and we're not going to look at how to solve this problem. We're going to do an entire episode on that. And then we're going to look at business success stories so that we can finish off this article that really just solidifies everything we've learned about business failure. My voice is failing, guys. Like sometimes I'm talking and it's just fading away at the end. And my throat hurts so bad. So I'm going to finish the episode, grab some honey, and get some rest. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for listening to episode 15 of Online Business Systems on Zellhands podcast, brought to you by Zellhand Systems Limited and our online business suite, where we believe in using the power of the internet, software, and technology to make it easier to start, run, and build a successful business. Your optimized online business comes with a conversion optimized online business from our expert development team, a strategic and systematic online marketing system for short and long term success. And a team of certified and experienced developers marketers website security specialists and business strategists that are working 24 7 to ensure your business succeed get started with our micro plan that comes complete with website developers you are ux designers email marketers seo specialists premium hosting and website security your personal account manager a business development strategist and a ppc campaign from facebook Our micro plan starts at $5,000 per month, or less than $165 per day, or less than $7 per hour. Our first 10 clients will get a 10% discount each month, totaling $6,000 saved for the year. Go to onlinebusiness.zellhand.com and set up a free consultation to get your 10% discount. Remember to share our episodes with your friends and family who you think would find this episode and others helpful hit the subscribe button on youtube or where you listen to your podcasts to get notified when we bring more amazing content tailored for your online business success visit podcast.zelham.com for a complete list of our podcast episodes you can also visit watch.zelham.com or our youtube channel to watch our most recent content most importantly Earn up to $500 in commission for every client you refer to us by signing up to become an affiliate at affiliates.zellhan.com. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes or episode description if you're listening on YouTube. And like we said, in episode 16, we're going to look at how to ask the right questions to ensure that you're learning and improving and achieve business success. And episode 17, we're going to look at business success stories because, you know, we've been deep diving into why businesses fail. Let's look into why businesses fail. So let's look at what other businesses have done to achieve success. This has been episode 15 of Online Business Systems brought to you by Zell Hands Podcast. I've been your host, Jabez Roberts. Take care until next time.